Welcome everyone to The Mashroom Show, the place to come for landlords who need help and advice with insurance, tenant finding, mortgages, rent collection, and a whole lot more. This is a pre-recorded show, but we will be going live at the end with our panel to take your questions. So drop them in and we'll get to them in just a little while. I'm Rob Smith, and today I'm joined again by uh, CEO and founder of Woodstock Legal Services and uh, specialist in residence and tenancy law. Carly German. Carly, Hello, thanks I, for having me again. Thanks for being with us once again. So she's going to be joining us for this episode and uh, in two weeks' time as well to help you get really prepared for the year ahead. Now, if you missed our previous episode about rental reform, you can find that on our website, mashroom.com, or on our YouTube channel. We'll then be joined by some of our Mushroom team who will be talking about how Mushroom can help you protect yourself and stay fully legally compliant. So that's coming up later. Now, there are an awful lot of hoops that landlords have to jump through to ensure that they are compliant and renting their property legally. And this covers everything from right to rent checks to ensure that your gas safety certificate is up to date. However, with so much to remember and with so many landlords renting property on top of their full-time day job, it can be really easy to overlook things and make little mistakes that can in fact cost you dearly. So before we speak to Carly about all of that, don't forget you can follow Mushroom on any number of different ways on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and you can join our private Facebook community where you can share your experiences and ask questions and get all the support and answers that you need. We will also be sending out a recording of this webinar as well as a review request, and we would really appreciate it if you took the time to leave us a review. If our conversation does spark an idea or a question that you want to share, you can do that via the uh, Facebook community page and our expert team will be responding until four o'clock. Loads to get stuck into, so without any further ado, let's get started. Now, as I said at the top of the show there, many landlords, of course, also have a day job, much like our mm -hmm. guest, Carly German, who's a landlord as well as being a CEO and founder of Woodstock Legal Services. So you're a specialist in tenant and landlord law, aren't you? Yes. Um, so you work quite closely with landlords. Yes, it's very fair to say. Yeah, it's a kind of a, a niche thing. Yeah. Um, and we're talking really specifically about the kind of claims that, mm. that landlords can face yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. So what then are the kind of the most common pitfalls landlords can fall into? Yeah, do you know, I think the, the biggest one at the moment, and I think it will only continue to um, get more of a concern for landlords, is disrepair, housing disrepair. Mm -hmm. um, we've definitely seen an increase in claims by tenants, whether that's a standalone claim, um, or a, a counterclaim when they brought a claim for rent arrears or trying to seek possession, they'll they'll respond and explain that the reason they hadn't paid their rent is because of their property not being up to standard mm -hmm. and the landlord not complying with their obligations. Mm -hmm. And they're really common. Um, they increased a lot in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, and some of these claims are genuine. Um, some of them are stretched um, and some of them are not genuine. Um, and it's it's a tricky area to navigate if you don't have good systems and processes. And I think the reason we saw lots of them um, off the back of the pandemic is where there was high rent arrears and people needed a reason to try and reduce those arrears or, you know, get rid of them completely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for many reasons, people were not able to pay their rent or chose not to pay their rent. Um, and, you know, they therefore need a reason to avoid having to pay it back now. Mm -hmm. um, I also think there's probably been an increase in no win, no fee um, lawyers um, right, pursuing okay. this as an, as an attractive um, 
and profitable, in theory, um, new business. Mm -hmm. um, so we've definitely seen um, many more standalone letter corrections coming through the door that, as a landlord, you have to respond to mm -hmm. and you have to deal with. Um, and tenants, you know, they're quite aware of what the conditions should be, what their rights are, and what a landlord's obligations are, and quite rightly so. Um, so, you know, when landlords don't comply with those obligations, they're, you know, and quite rightly when they're not, um, mm -hmm. you know, they'll be the first to say. Okay, so how do you, as a landlord, uh, know what level you need to be keeping your property in for it not to be counted as disrepair? Yeah, it's... Because you have to have some normal wear and tear, don't of you? Of course. And normal wear and tear, you know, is not included. And you, they will always look at um, what's reasonable. Mm -hmm. um, and that also applies to if a tenant comes to you and complains about disrepair, you're allowed a reasonable amount of time to get those works done. We all know how hard it is to get contractors in. Um, and, you know, they'll look at the age of the property, for example. So, mm -hmm. you know, a condition you'd expect an old Victorian property compared to a new build would be very different. Um, so there's lots of factors that they will take into account. Um, and there's, you know, they're the obvious things. You know, quite often we're looking at damp at the property is a very common one. Mm -hmm. um, that quite often um, is you know, it can be just the property and quite often as, you know, an expert's report will show whether it's the property, often it's tenant use, often it's a little bit of both. Um, and it's really important that landlords educate their tenants, they respond quickly, they make sure their tenants know how to deal with the damp and they can get rid of those issues. Okay, so damp's a really interesting oh, yeah, one because is. for a lot of, particularly older housing stock, yeah. if it's not very well insulated, yeah, people right. keep all the doors and windows shut yep. and they Dry have a shower phase. and then, you know, yeah. exactly that yeah. and you get lots of moisture in the atmosphere yeah. and then it yeah. literally goes mouldy. Yes. Yeah. Now, there's a line, isn't there, between yeah. uh, that being the landlord's fault because the building's not insulated yeah. or, or kept up well enough yeah. and the way that the yeah. tenants are actually using it. Yes. How do you determine which side of that line you know, you're on? It's about evidence as to how the property's being used um, and it's expert evidence. And you know, actually, there's some great technology out there that I've seen um, that can monitor um, moisture in the air in properties. You can have, it's almost like a dashboard it creates so you can see what's going on in the property. Mm -hmm. um, lawyers love that sort of thing because it produces these nice, clean and tidy reports that I could present to a court or to a solicitor on the other side when a letter claim comes in and say, look, the property's actually fine. Um, you know, I can evidence that and I can prove it and I can deal with these claims quite quickly. Okay. And so then as a landlord, that, mm. that process that you were talking about of, of communicating with your clients to prevent yeah. it becoming a problem. Yeah, it's hugely important. Uh, yeah. So give us a kind of rule of thumb thing around what they should be doing. As a good landlord, what should you be doing with your tenant to avoid the issues? For a start, regular inspection. So don't wait for your tenant to you know, notify you. Um, I always say to landlords, this is your asset, you need to protect it. So mm -hmm. you need to be routinely inspecting, carrot inspections, getting, you know, getting your portfolio in order, making sure you can see problems ahead. That's, mm -hmm. you know, you can budget better and you can deal with these problems before they arise rather mm -hmm. than letting out property and forgetting about it. Um, so it's what you do to maintain continually. Um, if you do get a complaint, deal with it quickly. Um, communicate with your tenant, let them know what you're going to do. Let them know that you've contacted contractors, who those contractors will be, when they'll contact them, when you're looking to get them in the property, and keep the lines of communication open. Don't drop the ball. I quite often see landlords um, that will respond to it. Contractor doesn't go around, can't get in, and the ball gets dropped. And then six months later, they've not dealt with that issue, right. and it becomes a much bigger claim. Um, so it's following up, documenting. It's a paper trail, creating a paper trail. And then once the issue's resolved, you've got evidence that it's resolved and you can deal with it. And if you look and think, do you know what, that took a bit longer, shall I negotiate a bit off the rent for that month? You know, perhaps that can be done and that can be done in writing, all agreed, and then you put that issue to bed. Okay, but you need to be having a conversation then with somebody like you to make sure that you've got yeah. that. Yeah, 
sorted out. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we can really help you sort of make sure that you're protecting yourself and that you're you're able to establish that there's no need to bring a claim against you and it's been dealt with and you're confident you complied with your obligations. Okay. Now, one of the things you said there was about sort of regular inspections. Mm. They can become a, a hassle in their own right, can't they? Because there's a point where if yep. you keep going around and you want to make sure that your your beautiful investment is kept yep. beautiful, yep. and you pop around every five minutes just to make no, sure. Yeah, yeah, there's a line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's you know for me because it can tip over into actual harassment, can't it? Yeah, I guess in theory, I and mean, you know you do see, and quite often I think these are the really well-intending landlords that really want to look after that property, look after their tenant. You know, they don't, and they're not able to detach themselves. And what I always say to landlords, like you've just said, this is your asset; it's their home um, and you need to keep a professional relationship you need clear boundaries mm-hmm. um, you know what your obligations are they know what their obligations are inspections are important but it's you know once a year is absolutely fine um, and it's you know I've had landlords that over the years have kept going around to tidy up the garden you know and the tenants are enjoying their garden they've got a right to quiet enjoyment you can't keep popping around and tidying up the garden you know I can understand the, the good intentions but it's keeping that boundary okay so as a rule of thumb then mm. how as a landlord should you be approaching that. If you want to make sure that the garden's kept in reasonable order, you want to make yep. sure that the paintwork's not being scuffed or you know the carpet's not yep. having big stains on it, whatever. Yeah. How how do you balance that? What's the kind of rule of thumb? Yeah, garden, that's a good example because actually you could have that in the contract and you could say, I want a gardener to come round. I quite often see properties at the end of the tenancy where people, you know, I don't have time to garden, don't have time to keep the garden up to, you know, up to standards how it should be. Mm-hmm. So actually you could have that in the the contract that a gardener has to be paid for, maybe the landlord says, I'm going to pay for them and they're going to come in and you're going to allow them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pre-agreed. Um, when it comes to condition of the property, I think, you know, an annual inspection um, is all you can do. And it's, it's noting what's wear and tear and damage by the tenant or, you know, what needs to be maintained by the landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got a good company to go in and do your inspections, your inventory and your checkout, they all tie up. And they're great evidence when I'm looking at disrepair claims. If I've got, you know, an inspection report, um, you know, a check-in report, mm-hmm. inspections, and then check-out reports as to the, the history of the, the tenancy, the condition of the property. And likewise, if we're pursuing a tenant for damage to the property at the end, they're really useful documents. Okay. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, mm. where rather than landlords who are really super keen to you know get around and inspect it, you have a situation where you have a tenant who's really super keen yeah. to not let the landlord yeah, in that happens at a lot. all. Yeah, and you'd be surprised how often that happens when they've complained about disrepair, and that can be a real challenge for landlords. So I would say um, landlords where they've complained about disrepair and you're having issues getting in, make sure you document your efforts to get in because that happens really regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know tenants will try and say, you know, there's disrepair, you know, and our argument is there is, but we couldn't get in. Um, and there's, you know, other standard obligations that a landlord needs to comply with, mm-hmm. so your gas safety certificates. And we do see some landlords struggling to get back in um, to a property. Um, and my advice to landlords is always to communicate with your tenants, um, send them a letter. If you're struggling to get in, make sure you document your efforts, email or a letter to mm-hmm. remind them of their obligations, remind them of your obligations as landlord and why this gas safety certificate is really important. And it is an important document. Mm-hmm. You know, boilers are potentially dangerous, mm-hmm. talking about gas. So, you know, document your efforts. Um, worst case scenario, if you can't get in, it's an injunction um, to get a court order. Quite rare we ever have to go down that route. Normally, um, a firm letter from ourselves, if your efforts you know, haven't, haven't worked, then normally that does the job. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's sort of worth thinking about as well, isn't it? That um, people are very scared of going to the law because you yeah. know that if you end up in court, that can be horrifically expensive, yes. depending on yeah. the circumstances. Yeah. Um, 
But it, I guess a stitch in time saves nine, doesn't it? Yeah. They're, they're yeah. having a conversation with yeah. a legal person and getting a letter yes. early yeah, can solve a lot so. of problems. Yeah, and what we will always do at Woodstock, you know, my team are really focused on trying to work with landlords outside of court. So what I always say to landlords is protect your position, but then keep communicating with your tenant and see if you can resolve things without needing to go to court. And we can do that with you um, and hold your hand through that process and make sure that any agreement you reach with tenants. So, for example, I talked about disrepair. If there has been an issue with the boiler for the last 12 months, mm -hmm. that we can agree something and it's documented so that we know that that issue has been put to bed. Excellent. And we're going yeah. to go into a lot more detail about that when you're with us in two Good. weeks time Brilliant. as well. So great. Thank you Carly. very much. Thank, Thank you. you for being with us today. Joining us back in the studio now is Mashroom Sales Director, George Sinclair. George, always good to see you. Thank you so much. So we were just hearing from Carly then about the uh, the, the common claims that, that landlords can face. And I mean, you've actually got a whole bunch of different ways that you can help landlords, haven't you? So let's start with uh, disrepairs. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, there's two things to, to highlight here. Um, and it's because it's a common question that our landlords call up and speak to us about. So we've got two things that can probably help and cover most of the stuff that Carly's actually spoken about. So the first thing that we've got is access to over 70,000 tradespeople, okay? Which is a huge number, which yeah. is really good. And we're really proud to be able to do this. Further to that, it's very easy to get in touch with them. So we've got a nice part on the platform where you can type in your postcode, explain what it is that's the problem. Maybe, I don't know, the cupboard in the kitchen is hanging off and you need a tradesperson, you live too far away, someone to go down there, help out, get in, get out, and that's you done, okay? Subsequent so that's kind of regular maintenance, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, that's more mm -hmm. maintenance. That's to find maybe a painter and decorator. They've moved out, um, you're just about to get some new photos for it, need a lick of paint on the wall. That's where you'll find those types right. of people. Okay. okay. On top of that, we've also got a, another product, which is home emergency insurance. Now these are not to be confused with one another. Home emergency insurance. I don't know, the... The, the burst pipe. That burst kind of pipe, exactly so, which could have the potential of causing tens, if not twenties of thousands of pounds damage. You need to get someone in there straight away. You need to get a plumber in there to turn everything off and make safe the property. That is what home emergency is. Whereas if you do have a, a problem, I know, a leaky tap, that's probably going to be more appropriate for our maintenance contractors that we've got on hand for you. Right, okay, so there's two separate things there that Absolutely. people can think about. Okay, deposits, that was another thing that we were talking about with Carly as well, and that can be quite a complicated area, can't it? It can, it can, and which we can 100% help with. So we can register your deposit. We've also got another product, which is called DRP, or Deposit Replacement Product, which has some fantastic positives for both the landlord and the tenant. So certainly contact one of our lettings team if you want to find out some more about that. Subsequently, on top of all of it, the, the general theme that I'm feeling is if you manage to reference somebody properly in the first place, um, a lot of these problems can be alleviated and we can do that as well. Our referencing is really, really good. So mm -hmm. we can find out their incoming versus their outgoing, making sure they can actually afford the rent as well, which is normally one of the biggest problems is affordability. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, on, on both of those six. Right, okay, so I want to get to the skip back a little bit mm -hmm. um, and talk about inventories as well, because inventories are massively important to make sure that, you know, deposits, for, for instance, <laughs> don't you don't fall foul of it. Absolutely, absolutely. So the inventory service, I would recommend that that's pretty much top of the list for most people in, in, my, in my experience. Main reason being is it's a third party company who's a professional 
tiny little things to remember. The photos should be timestamped to make sure that they know exactly what time and day, whereabouts they are, logged in a nice little document for you to walk away with and see. Then there's no, there's no arguing at the end of it. Mm -hmm. There's no he said, she said at the end of the tenancy, which nine times out of 10 is usually the biggest arguments that happen, Absolutely. unfortunately. So um, harassment is one of the things that Carly was talking about as well, mm -hmm. uh, where, where tenants claim that landlords have been harassing them. What's the key situation there from, from Mashram's point of view? I think there's so many variations on that question. Um, I, I think there's some really unfortunate situations that happen naturally. Um, not everyone can be in agreement, unfortunately. However, there's a, there's a couple of things I, I just touched on referencing a moment ago. I think that's a, a certain must. Um, it's a big green tick in the box. Once you've got an appropriate referencing done and you feel really comfortable that somebody's going to be living in your property, your blood, sweat and tears, your investment at the end of the day, put a big tick in that box. Um, on top of that, we've also got another product, which is rent guarantee insurance. So if there was ever that dispute where the tenant doesn't want to pay their rent for whichever reason, because maybe there is a falling out about various different things, you've still got that protection. In fact, Rob, that's also included in our, in our rent collection package. Our 5% rent collection package includes rent guarantee insurance, along with home emergency insurance as well, which I mentioned a moment ago. It's a bargain. You're telling me. <laughs> George, thanks ever so much. You're very welcome. Now for the latest news, and this week we're once again touching on licensing, but this time about what happens if you fail to license your property when required to do so. And we have an update on rental reforms and the shocking statistic that at least 40% of landlords aren't yet even aware that they're coming. Let's look at landlord licensing fines first. We've talked in previous episodes of The Mashroom Show about how some councils are bringing in landlord licensing and what the costs of those licenses are. But we haven't really touched on the consequences of not getting that license. Well, for landlord Mohammed Ahmed in Burnley, the cost has been over £1,000. Burnley Council brought a case against him because despite owning a rental property in a selective licensing area, he failed to properly license it. The scheme is intended to improve the standard of rental properties. Online applications there cost £715, but they are reduced to £640 for license holders who have previously held a license in Burnley. There are also further discounts available for early applications and for members of the council's good landlord and agent scheme. Well, Mr Ahmed had failed to properly license his rental property, and magistrates have now fined him £660, ordered him to pay £300 in costs and an additional £65 victim surcharge. Now, landlord licensing isn't a nationwide scheme, so it pays to keep an eye on what your local council is doing. So you're aware of any plans to introduce selective licensing in areas where you rent property. Failing to license your property when you need to could cost you dearly. Now, are you aware of rental reform? If you watched our last episode with Carly German, you will certainly be aware of the fact that the long-talked-of rental reform is going to come in this year. However, property bridging finance broker Finbury has found that over 40% of UK landlords are not yet aware of it. A 1,000 UK landlords were surveyed. Almost half of them said they were concerned or deeply concerned 
that the reform would make it illegal to refuse to rent properties to people who receive benefits, that it stops no-fault evictions, that it introduces a private rented ombudsman to help enforce renters' rights, that they would be legally required to register their property on the new property portal, and that tenants have the right to request a pet in their house, which the landlord must consider and cannot unreasonably refuse. However, it's not all bad. A total of 35.16% of landlords said they were optimistic or very optimistic about that legal requirement to register their property on the new landlord portal. Finbury also surveyed 1,000 UK renters and found that over 19% had already experienced unaffordable increases in rent. And a combined 74% of tenants surveyed said they were concerned or strongly concerned about further rent increases this year. Many of them will feel that the proposed reforms will give them greater protection. But given how broad the range of changes are going to be, perhaps the most concerning statistic is that almost 41% of landlords are not even aware of the proposed renters' reform bill, which could mean many landlords won't be up to date with the changes that they need to make. Check out our previous episode on preparing for rental reform to find out more about what's on the cards and be sure to join our Facebook community so that you can stay up to date with the latest changes and let us know your thoughts about the upcoming reforms. Well, now we're joined by Chris Potts, who's one of our insurance specialists here at Mashroom. Chris, thanks ever so much for for coming in. So we're going to talk about um, insurance claims and the circumstances under which your claim might be rejected, which obviously nobody who puts in an assurance claim wants it to be rejected. They want to get their hands on the money, um, assuming that they're claiming for it legitimately in the first place. So what is the kind of like the number one reasons why a landlord might have uh, an insurance claim rejected? Uh, number one reason would be non-disclosure of a material fact, not prior to inception of a policy. Okay. The other reason... What may- does that mean? Well, this would be knowingly not providing details, correct information when you have started the policy with the broker. Okay. And so specifically, what are the kind of things that people might fail to disclose? This could be previous claims. It may be the property has a flat roof. It may be near a water course or maybe some tall trees. Anything along those lines would be a material fact. And the reason why it's important that the insurance company knows about those things? or What's the problem with the flat roof, for instance? Flat roof may be uh, more prone to having a claim if there is an ingress of water from the outside storm. They okay. normally wear quicker than a pitch tiled roof, for example. Right, okay. So there could be water Absolutely. leaking. And trees? Trees, then you could have a subsidence issue because if you have any tall trees, particularly oaks, they have long roots that go under there and uh, affect the soil. Right, okay. And uh, a stream going nearby? Stream going by potential flood risk. Right. All very straightforward and obvious stuff then. Yeah. The insurance company needs to know that up front. They need to know that up front. Okay. Those kind of things, obviously, they're all part of the property from the off, aren't they? Yeah. There are things that can happen to a property during the corner life of you owning it. Yep. You might want to build an extension. You might want to remodel it inside. Yeah. At what point do you have to let your insurance company know that you've done something? 
if you are... How much detail are they interested in? Well, that's it. I mean, if you're just going to repaint, then I don't think they'll want to know about that. But if, of course, you're going to build an extension or have any building work or have contractors in, I would always keep them informed so at least they can tell you about the conditions, whether there's any restrictions. And of course, for example, if you are putting an extension on the property, the rebuild costs may increase. So they may want to update your insurance policy to make sure you earn cover is okay. in place. So as a rough rule of thumb then, if you're changing a washer in a tap, absolutely not a problem. Nope. If you're putting a complete new heating system in, yep. might be worth letting them know. Let them know. So substantial works is kind of the... Keep the communication up for substantial works. Great stuff. Okay. Now the other broad section that can cause issues is when the property is left empty for a period of time, isn't it? It is, yep. Yeah. Unoccupied property, insurers don't like this because of course nobody is residing there. So if anything does go wrong, then of course the claims cost can escalate. I would always, as a rule of thumb, say 30 to 60 days. Uh, if your pro property is going to be unoccupied for a period of over 30 days, update your insurers. They will okay. actually advise you of the terms and conditions and go from there. Okay, so, um, and there's a number of different circumstances that could arise in, aren't there? Let's start from the point of view of um, a tenant's gone away on a holiday, for instance, and they haven't let you as the landlord know, but they've gone yep. away for a couple of weeks and yep. a pipe bursts. Yep. Is that covered? That would be covered if it's under the 30 days, depending on their insurance policy. This is why they need to read the terms and conditions of their policy. If it's within the 30 day period, that you would genuinely, the rule of thumb, you would be okay. But yes, if they're going away for two weeks or three weeks in respect of that, but 30 days would be the rule. Okay, so if somebody had said, you know what, we're gonna blow it, we're going off for six weeks trekking in the Andes, and they haven't told you that as a landlord and something goes wrong, you might have a problem. You might have a problem in respect to that. I would always update with the insurers and keep the communication up with your tenant, as they may mention that. So I, I guess then in general terms, Chris, the thing is that it, you need to err on the side of caution, don't you? I would always look to err on the side of caution. That's why if you keep the communication up with your broker, preferably Mashroom, then we would actually talk you through the terms and conditions. Preferably mushroom. Okay, so small print. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, we're all guilty of it. When you, it comes up on your phone, you, yeah. do you accept the terms and conditions? Yes. You don't read the small print. Is it, is it really crucial that you do that with your insurance documents? I would always read the small print, particularly conditions and endorsements and warranties. They will be listed on your policy schedule. If you're ever unsure, speak with your broker and they can talk you through that. Okay, so people can literally ring you up and ask you silly questions around whatever it is to do with their insurance. It's part of the great service that we do offer at Mashroom. And the silly questions? There are no silly questions in insurance. Excellent. Chris, thank you very much for being with us. No Always good to chat to you. Thank you. Well, that's it for the Mushroom Show for this week, but there's uh, plenty more to come. Of course, Carly will be joining us once again on the 24th of February to take you through how to avoid court because nobody wants to go to court unless it's an absolute last resort. Don't forget, you can follow us online. Remember to join our Facebook community. And if you want to uh, listen and watch the show again to get all those details down, keep an eye on your inbox. The recording will be with you very shortly. But for the moment, it's goodbye. And we'll see you again on the 24th of February.